today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, a nut allergy causes a major air diversion, and we ask if the airlines are cracking down on oversized carry-on bags. Next in the news. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, we talk about Southwest boarding passes. How do you get those coveted A assignment? Or are they even available? The city of Visalia has become a haven for those with autism. We'll learn how hotels, restaurants, and attractions are learning to meet the needs of autistic travelers. I really encourage you to hang around for the interview at 335. Now, remembering to take your meds with you when you travel is ultra important. But did you know that many over-the-counter meds, which are legal here in the States, are not legal overseas? Now, we're going to discuss that at 350. The heat spell is broken. Now it's just smoky and muggy. So come dream of getting away with us. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you here, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacation. Thanks for coming along. Uh, and here we are on Sunday, September 11th. A day to remember, a day to not forget, a day of great importance, uh, and a day, day of, uh, of serious patriotism. Mark, how have you been, and what's new with you, my friend? Uh, well, I'm just uh, sitting here trying to keep my leg up above my heart, according to doctor's instructions. You know, when you get when you get a new butt, while well, you're supposed to keep things circulating and stuff like that. I don't know how you do that. I mean, they they doctors tell you that in a lot of different things, and uh-huh. and I mean, you'd have to lay on the floor. Mm-hmm. and uh, prop your leg up on something, and, and there you'd be. Currently, I'm hanging upside down at the sports leisure office reading off the floor, so you can kind of <laughs> get a visual. You know, radio is is all about, you know, theater of the mind theater and stuff like mind, that. Yeah. Hey, listen, I want to tell folks about something before we get into the news here. If you're a coin collector or you have a child, perhaps, as a coin collector or maybe a Boy Scout who's working on a merit badge or something, the local coin club is having a uh, a show in two weeks, it's at the uh, Sheraton Four Points, which is uh, kind of off of Del Paso there out on your way out to the airport. It costs you $3 to get in. There's all kinds of dealers with all kinds of different stuff. There's displays and um, stuff for all ages. If you're a serious collector, if you have something that you want to sell, that would be a good spot to give it to give that a shot or something that you want to buy your coin collector. Anyway, it, there is a link at TravelGuysRadio.com that will get you a buck off of admission. Uh, Saturday is Kids Day. The, the show is on Friday and Saturday, the 23rd and 24th. So just a little short of two weeks from now, Travel Guys radio.com will get you a dollar off on admission to the coin club show well uh i think if uh, folks have listened from time to time know that mark you do a little coin collecting i have to ask did you uh did you start young i did i actually that coin collecting i was kind of in the coin business as a coin dealer before i was in the travel business so that goes back to like 
uh, I don't know, early 20s, 40-plus years ago, and uh, still kind of a collector. I'll uh, stop by the show and stuff, so maybe we'll get an opportunity to, to see you there. 23rd and 24th, Sacramento Valley Coin Club at the Sheraton Four Points. At the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news. And with the travel news, as always, here's my partner, Mark Hoffman. So, Tom, this summer, um, the Broadway shows uh, have have dropped the mask restrictions. And we all kind of uh, took a deep breath when that happened because people go into a theater and in a small space. The problem isn't necessarily the folks in the theater. The problem is the folks on the stage. So people are paying a lot of money to see, in some cases, certain performers. I mean, if you paid $350 for a ticket to see Hugh Jackman in uh, Music Man, you'd be pretty disappointed if you got there and the standby was in because Hugh Jackman had gotten COVID from somebody in the audience who was unmasked. So um, we've had our first situation where that happened. Um, The lead in Funny Girl, uh, Lee Michelle, had to take a week off. Funny Girl, the, the remake of Funny Girl is currently the hottest thing on Broadway. It just opened, so now a lot of people have paid for tickets, and they're not going to get to see the person that they wanted to see. And part of that is because of the whole masking thing. One show so has – go ahead. Are you saying you're saying that uh, the, the lead perhaps caught it from an unmasked person in the audience? Well, there's no way to know, but whether they got it from somebody in the audience or somebody off stage at a different time. But, the, but, right. but that certainly is a possibility. So we, we all wondered when that mask requirement was dropped, when something like this would happen. This is the first time that it has happened. So we'll see how the audience responds when they're told that, you know, the star of the show is not there. That's always a possibility. I mean, somebody could get the flu or their dog could get run over by a car or there's any number of things that could happen happened that somebody wouldn't be at the show when you anticipated it. But in this case, it kind of seems like something that could maybe be preventable. I will tell you that one Broadway show has already switched directions and has asked people to please start masking up uh, coming into the show as a direct result of this. So if you're headed to Broadway in the next uh, whatever um, rest of your life, um, carry a mask with you because it's possible that yeah. on short notice you might need it to be able to get into the show. And I might suggest to you that that necessarily isn't a bad thing. Dutch government is raising the departure tax on flights from the current 8 euros to more than 28 euros. Now, euros are about even with the dollar right now, so let's call it 28, 30 bucks tax, an extra 20 bucks tax on an airline ticket departing from the Netherlands. Important caveat, doesn't apply to connecting flights. So if you're flying KLM to Amsterdam and then on to another city, you will not have to pay this tax um, going or coming. It's for flights that originate or end in Amsterdam. There is a really good train service in system in Europe. And what the folks in the Dutch folks are saying is, how about if we use the train for some of these short hops instead of putting so much crap in the air? So they've talked about this for a while, and it's something that now has uh, come to be. So if you go to Amsterdam, you make that your headquarters, um, and you wonder why the airline tickets went up, that's the reason. Village Fest is something that comes to Sacramento. It hasn't been here for a couple of years, but tickets are now on sale for this popular farm-to-fork celebration. It is on, on October 26th, uh, on October 26th, on October 16th this year. Um, tickets are $150 a piece. They include uh, food, wine, tax, and tip. 
Um, actually, they're $165 a piece, not 150 So if you are interested in the Village Feast, kind of a big event in Sacramento, if you're a culinary person, go to TravelGuysRadio.com, and we will have a link to it there. This was bound to happen. Headline says, lawmakers seek investigation into airlines' use of pandemic funds. Seems as though somebody in Washington has gotten wind of the fact that maybe the airlines didn't use those gazillion billions of dollars for the reason they were intended. Oh, my goodness. So now. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah, what a surprise. So anyway, uh, a a congresswoman from New York and uh, another one from from South Carolina have asked. They they suspect that some of this money was used for buyouts and some of the other reasons the airlines got staff to leave. And they want to know what happened to this money that was intended for specific purposes. I'm sure the airlines will pull a weasel on it, but um, or get their lobby group involved and 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 get out weasel out of this somehow. But at least somebody is asking the question. So that is good to know. Um, big diversion. I mentioned this in the headlines. A United 787 that was flying from San Francisco to Singapore. It is the longest route in the United System at 8,400 miles. It's a 16-hour nonstop flight. Um, they got out over the Pacific and were a couple hours north of Hawaii. There was a nut allergy reaction on the plane, and they had to divert to Honolulu to get some medical care for uh, the person that was involved. So the 16-hour flight became a 36-hour flight with the layover in Honolulu because, of course, once they got to Honolulu, they didn't have enough time for the pilots or the replacement pilots to be able to fly the plane on to Singapore, had to wait for other pilots. So if you have that whole nut thing, allergy thing going on on airplanes, that really is a mystery to me, Tom. I, 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 I... you can't reasonably expect that everybody on the plane is not going to be carrying peanuts or is not going to open a bag or something like that. I, what a difficult situation if you have an, a, a nut allergy. Oh, yeah. And the airplanes, airlines are serving them, and you tell them, and so they don't serve them. But how does that keep somebody else from having, you know, a salad or some candy or something like that that has nuts on it? And in this case, it caused a pretty big diversion in the middle of the, the middle of the ocean. Um, hotel. Occupancy rates are down for August, 3%. Over August of 2019, which is the year that everybody is, the pre-COVID year that everybody is comparing. So it appears that perhaps um, the crowds, the travel crowds have started to die down. And that, my friend, is your travel news for today. And by golly, we are the uh, travel and entertainment guys. Brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Don't forget, links to our special guests and more can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com. Well, you know, trying to, uh, on Southwest, get one of those A boarding passes so that you can get on before everybody else, or certainly a, a large share of them, is, is difficult to do, even if you got a quick finger. And sometimes you start to wonder, do they even exist? Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, we are the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Uh, let's see here, Mark. Uh, we teased folks that we we're going to talk about the old A assignments. We we, on, we, we uh, did. On Southwest. But and, we forgot uh, one thing. We, we left one thing out of the first segment, so I need to back up just for a second. Okay. Can you, Mr. Announcer, can you hold that at that headline just for a second there? 
I'm holding. Okay. Um, we, t- we told folks that we would, uh, in the headlines, we mentioned um, carry-on bags. And indeed, it does yeah. appear as though the airlines are getting a little more strict about the carry-on rules. Um, a lot of po- folks think this is because they're trying to ding you for more baggage fees. I doubt that agents at the gate are really interested um, unless they've had an, uh, an edict from the airline that says just nail everybody. Um, what they're more concerned of, about is people are are now on a regular basis trying to get bags on the plane that won't fit in the overhead. Or the only way they will fit in the overhead is to be turned sideways. So therefore, one bag takes up the space of two bags. And really, if your bag is above the requirements, for which it is, it is in that case, then it shouldn't be on the plane. You should be paying to check it or checking it for free at the gate or whatever the policy of the airline is because I don't want you taking up my free space on the airplane because they let you get on with a bag that was way bigger than they should have let you get on with. So warning to the folks who are traveling with bags that are bigger than if, – if when you go to put your carry-on in the overhead, you have to turn it sideways, it's not a legal bag. So if that's the case and the airline says, gosh, you're going to have to check that, don't get mad at the airline because that's just the rules that they're following. Now, that doesn't tell you that Allegiant and Spirit and uh, Frontier are not, you know, really being strict with people in terms of inches and, you know, what you're allowed to, to have on board. So you have to be careful with that. Again, it's a kind of a homework thing. You go online and you find out what the maximum area is for your carry on and then you take out your your ruler and you measure it. And then you find out if your bag is legal. You know, for a long time, and I really haven't noticed it uh, the last few times I've flown, they used to have a uh, a little box. A sizer. And it, 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 a sizer. And it, if they felt your bag was a little large, then they'd make you go over and see if you could fit it in the sizer. But I haven't seen that. Uh, I've rarely seen anybody that is... Uh, Checking you in to, to your boarding pass and all of that, paying any attention to what people are uh, carrying on board. So are we expected that maybe that'll look a little different now? Well, um, and, and it, it will probably depend on the airline. Southwest likes to brag that they are getting larger overhead bins. So, of course, here's the other thing. Southwest doesn't charge to check a bag. So a lot of people check bags on Southwest because it doesn't cost them anything. And you don't have the situation where people are trying to, you know, there's this offense versus defense, the airline versus the customer at the gate. Can I can I sneak this on board without having to pay for it and save myself 60 or $70 round trip? So I get all of that. It's a mm-hmm. game that came up. The airlines created this game when they started charging for luggage. But just a little bit of a heads up, if you've got one of those bags that's kind of pushing the limits, why then um, be careful. Also, I have noticed, if you have a bag that's kind of pushing the limits and you've got a couple of other things, you look like a walking baggage cart, why then um, they are much more likely to say, hey, you know, that one needs to be checked. So um, be careful about the numbers and also about the sizing, just the personal thing. Could you find that announcer guy who was here just a minute ago who had the next segment coming up? Yes, here he is. Today on the Travel Guys, in our 320 segment, Southwest Boarding Passes. How do you get those coveted A assignments? Or, Mark, are they even available? I don't think they exist. I think it's just made up. Uh, They are available. They do exist. Here are some things to consider if you're trying to get a low boarding pass on Southwest. If you're frustrated because exactly at 24 hours... You logged on, and at 23 hours and 58 minutes, you got – at 23 hours and 59 minutes and 58 seconds, you got C-22. And you're like, how can that – how could 
50 or 100 people have beaten me in two seconds? Well, the answer is that likely they didn't. Um, there, here are some possibilities for why that boarding pass is way up the line when it comes to Southwest. First of all, A1 through 15 are paid for, are saved for people who are willing to pay up for the, the right to board early. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to see 1 through 15. If, they are, if nobody buys those, they just stay empty. So it doesn't hurt you any. It just means that n- nobody's boarding in those slots. So therefore, your C boarding pass just got 15 spaces better. The next thing behind the A1 through 15s on Southwest are what they call A-list people. These are the frequent flyers. These would be the marks of the world who have flown 35 flights a year, I think it is, with Southwest the previous year. And they have designated you as a, as a frequent customer. And one of the benefits is early boarding. So on any given flight, you don't know how many of those people you will have. I've seen as few as two or three of us, and I've seen as many as 15 or 20 of us. So uh, there, no way to know. But it's entirely possible that A16 through 30 could be taken up by those people who are frequent travelers with Southwest Airlines. Okay, so now you've got all of the, the, the folks coming in behind that. So the real reality is there weren't 60 A boarding passes to start with. There's only usually about 30 of them available. Here's another caveat. You get on the plane in Sacramento and you're going to Las Vegas. That plane has come from Seattle. When you get on the plane, you've got A17. You get on the plane and you think you'll be able to pick out any seat you want. And you get on the plane, there's a whole bunch of people already there. All of your favorite seats are already taken. It's a through flight. So a lot of people didn't get off the plane. They had Seattle-Las Vegas tickets, and they're already on the plane. If there's more than 30 through passengers, combined with those other things we've talked about, then there aren't going to be any A boarding passes available for that flight unless you're willing to pay up for them. So that's And that happens fairly frequently because Sacramento is in the middle between the north and the south. So there are a lot of flights, Southwest flights in particular, that are San Diego, one of the Los Angeles airports, Las Vegas, Phoenix. They're headed to the north. They're making a stop in Sacramento and then going on to Portland or Seattle or Boise or someplace, Spokane, some other place to the, to the north of Sacramento. So depending on the schedule, and you can find that out when you look online, you can avoid those through flights so that you don't have that situation. But depending on the schedule, there may not ever be any A boarding passes available. It's not a conspiracy or anything. It's just the flight that you picked on the day that you picked it. And then, of course, you have to deal with all the people who also tried to dial in at exactly the same time as you did. So it's entirely possible. Southwest says that on a full airplane, that generally 40 or 50 people will check in within the first 10 seconds. So if you're a minute late, you blew it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay, here's a question for you that's kind of related. It doesn't have to do specifically about A's. But it could be about B's or, for that matter, just getting the best check-in you can by being as prompt as you can. Have you ever noticed or, or do, have you found any difference uh, checking in on your computer versus checking in on your cell phone? Of course, you're watching the countdown. You've pro- everybody's got a different way of doing that. Uh, and it, I find it uh, interesting that when I, I click on at the time that appears to me based on all of my research, that it's the right time, that it'll say, oh, I'm sorry, you've checked in too early. Mm-hmm. And then, yep. then you got to start all over start and all over check again. in a second time. Have you found that cell phones versus computers 
uh, are any different. Just like if you're listening to something on the radio as opposed to your uh, as opposed to your phone, as opposed to your car radio, oftentimes there's a two, three, four second delay. So one may be ahead of the other, and listening to telling, having Southwest tell you that within 10 seconds, 40 or 50 people check in. So, yeah, if that happens to you and you, you got in too early, ouch, um, no better than any of the other uh, situations that we're talking about. Um, also, one of the other things that, that we, we haven't really addressed here is sometimes people will buy one person in the party, will, buy, will pay up for early boarding. And then they get on and try to save seats for a couple of other people. Southwest's official policy on that is that it's between you and the other passengers. Um, if they're more, if they're, if someone wants to sit in that seat and you say you're saving it, and someone wants to sit there and no one's sitting there, then they can sit there. Um, if they, if you say that seat is occupied or I'm saving it, it's up to that passenger to move on. So if you're one of those folks who does the get on and save seats for people on Southwest, just know that's the airline's official policy is that it's between you and the other customer. In other words, if somebody is nice enough to acknowledge and let you save premium seats or whatever it is, then that's fine. If they're not, don't blame them because what you're doing is not exactly within the parameters of the rules. Now, you travel with your with your groups, okay, yep. and you travel Southwest quite a bit. Yep. And do you have any special instructions to your to your travel folks, those that are traveling with you, in regards? Because I know that there's going to be some seat saving going on within your group, I would imagine. Uh, what is it that you tell them, or do you t- tell them any? Not we any? generally are, our groups generally, depending on how full the flight is, the boarding passes will start in the mid-Bs usually, but sometimes they'll start as low as the low A, as the high A's, if it's a very empty flight. But, of course, if it's an empty flight, then that isn't as much of a concern. But, um, no, there's a lot of that stuff going on. I would just rather stay out of it. I don't want to be a person who gave somebody some instructions, and ultimately there was an altercation on board, and something I said was part of it. Mark uh, found a wonderful gal with a really, really wonderful project going on that we're going to talk about. I want to introduce you to Suzanne Bianco. She is the Tourism Marketing Director with Visit Visalia. Suzanne, welcome to the Travel Guys. Oh, thank you for having me. Suzanne, you got our interest, Visit Visalia got our interest with a uh, release that came across my desk that said that Visalia had created California's first autism tur- certified tourism center. And uh, that just made me, made me kind of interested. Well, good. I'm glad you were interested. Yes, we um, Visit Visalia was the first or is the first destination marketing organization. That's what they basically call tourism offices these days um, to become a certified autism center, a CAC. Um, We achieve that certification through IBCCES. It's a company that does those sorts of certifications, and we were really excited to do so and to be the first in California was really thrilling. So what did you have to do? to become autism certified? What did that consist of? Is it something physical? Is it something in, in on paper? Uh, how, did, how did you pull that together? Help us understand. IBCCES is a company um, uh, that specializes in the training and certification of professionals working with individuals with autism and other cognitive disorders. Um, and so they set up a training program for our um, staff and our board of directors. And we completed an online training system ses- uh, sessions that they had. 
So in our industry, it's very exciting to welcome families. It's a very exciting time for people when they're on vacation. We have the Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks in our backyard. So we really want all families and all people to come and enjoy them. So what is it that you folks have learned that will make their coming to Visalia better for their family members who might be autistic? By no means are we experts, but we did learn how to better communicate. The training that we underwent really focused on our type of industry and um, how we can support those families that are um, here in town. Let me give you an example. Um, For some people um, that have autism, uh, a, a very noisy hotel lobby might be just really overwhelming and having to wait in line to check into a hotel just might be, um, you know, just a real challenge. So our staff, right. ho- uh, the hotels that are certified autism centers um, are trained to sort of recognize that, and they can approach the family and say, hey, would it be helpful if you went into this quiet room and um, while we got you all checked in and ready to go up, upstairs to your room, would that be helpful? Um, if they're in the restaurant, uh, perhaps some restaurants don't, don't allow people to bring outside food, but your child only eats, you know, something from McDonald's, for example. Um, those those restaurants would be happy to accommodate that that request, and perhaps even find a table that's an acquired or part of the restaurant, um, so that the family can dine together, and you know, without the fear of people. Um, glaring at them or whatever, um, you know, people that aren't aware of what's going on might might do when they see some some something like that happening in a restaurant. In, in regards to tourism and anything in the the physical layouts of of your tours and so forth, there is are there adjustments being made there? Well, unlike a person with a physical disability, for example, using a wheelchair or something like that, autism is sort of a, a silent. Um, disability, I guess. And so um, the visible cues aren't necessarily there. So there's nothing within the structure of a, of a, a hotel room, for example, that needs to be changed. However, there are some things that can be done. Um, they know that the staff will meet their request with respect and understanding and happy to accommodate because really we're in the business of making happy family vacation memories. And so we want families to travel together and to take away those sorts of barriers or challenges that they may face. Um, and so they can feel confident when they come on vacation. You know, when they come to our destination, for example, we have six hotels that are certified autism centers, and they are in all price points, from full service to limited service, so they can choose a hotel that is, you know, right for their family and know that the staff at those hotels are going to understand some of the challenges those families um, face and are, are going to do their best to accommodate any special requests or accommodations that the family might need just to make a you know much happier family vacation together. I travel a lot, so I, I, I see autistic individuals along the way. Besides needing things to be a little different, what also helps is if the people who are part of the entire situation of the big picture surroundings, if the other people standing at that hotel desk have a greater awareness of, you know, of what's going on here. And why the hotel is reacting the way that they are and why that they're trying to uh, accommodate this guest in a slightly different way than they would accommodate other guests. So the fact that you folks have taken the time and the effort um, to put this on the plate and bring it some visibility, I think is just tremendous. I, I, I really can't say enough for what you folks have done. You know, we took the this project just even a little bit further. We offer... Um 
sensory pack, backpacks for families. Um, it's a little, a little drawstring backpack, and inside are some sensory toys, um, fidget toys for, um, for the person with autism, including social stories, which are a way for families prior to coming to Visalia to um, begin the conversation about what they're going to see and experience and, and what things look like when they come into come into Visalia. So these social stories, which are on our website, are a great tool for families preparing for a vacation. They can go over those every night before their trip and talk about what that looks like. This is what the hotel is, um, where we're going to be staying. These are the kinds of people that you're going to meet there. So it, it helps in that preparation. Um, so we're really, 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 awesome. really pleased about that. Suzanne, we're just about out of time here. Um, can I ask you, was there was there something that started this? Was there somebody in your organization that had an autistic member of their family? Or was was there some kind of catalyst that made this start in Visalia? Why Visalia? Well, why not Visalia? Um, and we hope that all, all destinations sort of look at that and say, why not, why not us? But yes, um, you know, I think that if you think about the number of people that have autism in the world, that, you know, all of us is touched in some way by a person with autism. But yes, that was what the catalyst was here. There was someone that had a child with autism. And um, the more we got this project out there, the more we learned of other people that, you know, had a family member or... Um, someone close to them that was also autistic and really appreciated the sort of initiative. We worked with, um, with um, some attractions across California to create a California aut- autism road trip um, that Visit California picked up and has on their website and in the new uh, Road Trips magazine. So, um, you know, a lot of great work is being done by a lot of organizations throughout the state to um, help families um, be able to plan fantastic family getaways um, with their um, autistic child. Suzanne Bianco with Visit Visalia, Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. You can find more information about what we're talking about here with Visit Visalia and also the Visit California Autistic Program. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, we will have links there for you so that you can connect um, with these programs. Suzanne, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Very, very interesting, uh, yeah. fascinating program. Uh, uh, These the people went out of their way to uh, find a way to uh, create a program that's going to help those that are that are autistic uh, when they come to visit uh, the Visalia area, and for that matter, California. Very, very cool. I'm I, glad we had an opportunity to uh, to promote it here on our radio program. Mark, good find. We have we've been doing this for I think t- about twelve years together. And I will just say that was one of the coolest interviews that uh, uh, people that we've spoken to. We've had some some celebrities and some, done some fun things. But um, what they're doing with that in Visalia, is that not just so incredibly cool? And the fact that the state is following behind. Um, and there are links at Travel Guys Radio so you can find out about that. If you have an autistic member of your family and you like to travel or if uh, you know somebody who does, I thought the examples that she gave were just – really eye-opening i had never thought about um you know a hotel and how that might have checking in might affect somebody and what if the hotel had an area that would help those people because they were so aware of that and i will just tell you if a hotel is aware enough to to be concerned about how how autistic folks or a restaurant are reacting in their restaurant they're going to be doing a whole lot of other things right that would just be my call well, you know, uh, speaking of doing the right things, we've talked a lot about the main thing you want to do when you travel, especially for any length of time, is to 
make sure to bring your meds along. And, uh, you know, when I brought this up to someone, they go, uh, when I mentioned something about, well, you know, some of your meds may not be legal in some uh, countries. They were stunned. They had no idea. It's very nice to go traveling. Hey there, Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Nice that it's no longer 116 degrees, but not so nice that now that it's cooled off, you can't really go outside without choking to death. So, you know, Mark, I tell you, we so we just we just can't win. Sometimes I think it's I'm the curse uh-huh. or something, and uh, you know, we're You're living right our about own little pretty accurate reporting. You couldn't go outside before because it was too hot, and now you can't go outside because you'll cough to death. Um, yeah, true. well, we'll go for two. Maybe it'll be best out of three uh, next week. I, if the temperatures are going to go down, so if the fire, if we can get the fires out of the way here, and, and maybe that's not a good description, we get the fires under control. Why? And God, it's really uh, impacted a lot of people in a lot of places. Uh, but if we get the fires under control, we might have some decent weather and be able to see the sky too. Fingers crossed. Prayers being made. Anyway, as we promised, we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, about traveling with your medications. I certainly have my stash of meds that I have to take, and i got to make sure I take the right amount. Of course, I'm only traveling within this yard United States, so I don't have to worry about having something with me that may be prohibited. Mark, what do you know about uh, certain kinds of drugs and stuff that are prohibited from travel, and where would someone go to get that information so that they... They aren't breaking any laws or running into a problem when they travel. Well, um, and a lot of this, of what we're going to talk about today, has to do with non-prescription medications, or at least non-prescription medications in this country. There are a number of substances that are found in uh, drugs that many of us use fairly regularly or are go-to drugs, uh, particularly when traveling on the road, and not all of those things are legal in every country. If you recall, there's a WNBA player who tried to get into Russia with uh, some illegal marijuana cartridges or something like that. That got her into a lot of trouble. Um, I'm not suggesting that this might be on that level, but you could innocently enough be found with something that isn't legal and um, have a lot of explaining to do, if nothing else. And if you'd done your homework, you might have avoided that. Let me give you a couple of of examples here, Tom. Um, in Paris, uh, or in France, Pepto-Bismol is not sold due to a health scare there in the 70s. So it's not available in France. Imodium is only sold in France with a prescription. So those being the two go-to items, at least for me, as a traveler, when you've got little traveler's disease there, you think you've um, eaten something or whatever, come in contact with something, and it's causing things to go through you fairly quickly, and you're trying to put a stop to that, those would be the two things you'd go to. In France, you can't go down to the drugstore and get them. So if you're going to France, you would need to know what item number three is on that list and to make sure that it doesn't have one of the, whatever it is in item number one or two, Imodium or Pepto-Bismol, that makes it uh, regulated in that country. So that's just an example of something. Other examples, an awful lot of people use Ambien to sleep. Um, some of the ingredients in Ambien are not legal in every single country. In fact, if you're going to Saudi Arabia or Japan, those are a couple of countries that don't allow. Speaking of Saudi Arabia and Japan, um, the active ingredient in Benadryl um, is allowed in Japan only if it's in a tablet 
or in an injection. So um, Tylenol PM, the typical 25 milligram tablet of Tylenol PM in the U.S. exceeds the maximum amount of that medication that's allowed to be in any one tablet in many countries. So this is this is not just prescription medicine, which I would hope that everybody would be smart enough to check with their doctor or something if they were going someplace they hadn't been to make sure. And, you know, it might not be your doctor. The U.S. State Department is a great place to go in order to be able to find out which uh, medications are legal and which are not legal. But really and truly, um, many Valium derivatives or Valium itself are uh, strictly regulated in the Arab Republic, many of the Arab countries, and in Greece. Um, so again, you can see that there there are a lot of places where a lot of things are not legal. Now, uh, when uh, when you travel uh, and you happen to inadvertently uh, carry a product that you either knew or didn't know that might be restricted, like you say, it may be an over the counter uh, product. Uh, do you do you have any idea what? What's that like? I mean, are they going to arrest you? Are they just going to confiscate it? Combination of both? Tom, I have absolutely no idea. And there are so many combinations here of different drugs and different countries that I doubt with any expertise that anybody could could answer that question unless you were talking about a specific drug in a specific situation in a specific uh, country that you were trying to get in. I think what we're trying to share with folks here is that if you are going to a foreign country, and remember, gang, Canada and Mexico are foreign countries. I know folks forget that sometimes, but the reality is that if you're going to one of those places, then there are a lot of things there that may not be, so you need to do your homework even for those places. If you went to Italy six years ago and you did your homework and all your meds were, were legal then, you need to do your homework again. Um, whether, Tom, I don't know that somebody's going to come, but let's pretend you're going through customs and they find something that they don't like. And I don't know what that might be, but they find something you've inadvertently brought a fruit or a vegetable or something that um, isn't on the drug list, but it's just something they, that they can't go through. So now they're going through your luggage a lot more carefully, the whole rest of your luggage, and they find some of these drug items. And I don't know, in a particular country, does, it, uh, does your fate depend on whether or not the customs agent is having a good day? Does the customs agent know that this is an 83-year-old woman and that's the reason that she has this particular medication she's not going to try to sell it on the street in our country, but that this is something that happens all the time. So I, I think you don't want to put yourself at the mercy of someone you've never met in a foreign country whose job it is to follow the rules. Now, if you're uh, if you're cruising mm -hmm. and your cruise is uh, going to maybe, uh, well, leave the United States and uh, you're going to cruise to Canada. Um, do the same restrictions that you would run across entering by way of plane are going to be inspected? Would this also, all of this be true for, uh, for a cruise to a foreign country? And all of that, again, varies by country. That's an excellent question, by the way, um, and something we could ask Gwen Duncan about. But when I looked into the cruise aspect of this, there's two aspects of it. One is did you take the medication off the cruise ship and you have it in your possession and you're walking around town and you've got uh, 50, you know, Oxycontins on you or something like that, um, then that may be looked at a lot differently than if you have a couple of Imodium tablets in France 
and um, the officer looks at you for some strange reason or something like that. So, But when it comes to cruises, in some countries it depends on whether or not you've taken the drugs off the ship or whether or not they're on the ship. And in many countries, the authorities have the authority to come on board the ship and search your belongings and stuff like that. So really and truly, I would say as a blanket answer, Tom, to your question is that no matter where you're going, if it's outside of the U.S. and no matter what the drug is, that you want to do your homework and make sure, once again, that you're not putting yourself at the mercy of you know, somebody and whether or not they're having a good or a bad day and whether or not they're willing to let to, quote, let one go, or is this something, some drug they come across all the time and they've been told to kind of look the other way or not? Well, let's address a couple of the the, the ones that you had mentioned, such as a Pepto-Bismol, yep. Imodium, Imodium AD, whatever Imodium you have. Uh, it's often used for the, pretty much for the same thing, upset stomach, diarrhea, etc., um, I suppose the smart thing to do would be, first of all, once you've discovered that this is something that, that you're not supposed to take with you when you're traveling, would be to do a little research uh, and find out what similar product sold in, uh, in, in France uh, would be the equivalent. Therefore, when you arrive there, and this is something that you think you're going to need, uh, you can acquire it at the local uh, uh, local drugstore, and then you'll you'll be okay. So you'll know number one not to take it, and number two, learn what the substitute would be that would uh, would qualify. Another thing that you have to be concerned about is, in some cases, um, you know, the amount of the medication. Uh, Tylenol comes in a number of different uh, potencies. So uh, you may have a really high potency. I've taken some recently because I had a surgery. So um, you may have a really high potency one, whereas a regular tablet would be okay. The high potency tablet may not necessarily be legal. So also when you're looking at the drugs themselves, look at the amount of the drug. And also in the case of some generic names, you have to be looking for what is the active ingredient in the drug because it may come by 15 different names and a totally different name in that country. So again, really the point here is that if you have regular medications that you take and that you need, or even little things that you might need along the way, if you're going to a foreign country, sit down, spend 10 minutes on Google, and save yourself five days of aggravation. Good information. Good information. That's what we're here for, to make you a smarter traveler. It's Mark and Tom. We are the Travel Guys every Sunday at 3. Again, uh, links to our uh, podcasts and more at TravelGuysRadio.com. Well, that's a wrap. Chris Elliott joins us next week. Mark, got some great great stuff to talk about with him. Yeah, especially if you are a renter of vacation homes. In the meanwhile, dance like nobody's watching. All right, my friends. Uh, Caitlin, thanks for coming back and being with us. Did a great job. We look forward to seeing you all next week. Stay well. Bye for now.